30 seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is with Richard What does it mean to be a hero? From Marvel movies to fantasy films, our culture is consuming heroic epics at an astounding rate. Characters and genres that used to be considered children's entertainment are now zeitgeist-defining blockbusters that invite fandom so fierce it borders on religious fervor. Take a stroll through any comic convention, and the vast array of plastic idols, sacred text, and costume pageantry on display would put even ancient polytheist marketplaces to shame. But why? Why do we humans crave heroic tales? Why do we camp out in long lines to witness them communally, larger than life, splashed across the silver screen? Or, more often these days, why do we crave them so much we dedicate our evenings and weekends to solitary binging, a hermit with Hulu clicking play next like prayer beads? My guest today, Scott Allison, has pondered these questions for over a decade. As a professor of psychology at the University of Richmond, Scott's fascination with heroes has led him on his own hero's journey deep into the heart of the modern mythological psyche. Scott is the author of The Romance of Heroism, Heroes, Heroic Leadership, Real Heroes, Volumes 1 and 2, and many more books with and without the word hero in the title. He recently took a break from tying bright red capes and plucking kittens out of trees to join our ritual for a chat about modern mythology, the upshot of painful experiences, and how to be a hero. Hello, Scott. Hello, Devin. Welcome to Ritual Space. Thank you for having me. What's our magic word going to be? So you want me to pick a magic word. I was thinking about this. That's good. And I there's no English word, is there, unless you know of one, a, the word that describes how you transform your pain into treasure. Alchemy. That's That's alchemy? Yeah. Okay, oh, well, okay, That's that might be our word, because another word I was thinking about was serendipity, because I think often mm. it's serendipitous circumstances and serendipitous encounters with people mm-hmm. that help the alchemy along. There's a song by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs called That's Good, That's Bad, and it's this litany of events, so it's like, I was out walking the other day and I got hit by a car, and the chorus was like, that's bad, and he's like, no, because I got a bunch of money from the insurance company, and they're like, that's good, and he's like, no, I didn't pay taxes, and then they threw me in jail, and it just goes back and forth, it goes back and, and, forth. and you can see how your perception of events is changed by the serendipity of the the results well exactly and sometimes winning the lottery is the worst thing that can ever happen to you and getting hit by a car can be the best thing that can happen to you so what's our word going to be so i think the word is going to be uh serendipa alchemy got it one two three serendipa alchemy wonderful so we're here today to talk about heroes awesome my favorite topic 
One of the things that I always like to say is that the wizard is not the hero, that my role is everyone's the hero of their story and my role is to help them on their quest. It's the mentor. It's the classic mentor role in all of classic literature in the hero's journey, of course. You need friends, helpers, and mentors. Yeah. So how did you come to be fascinated by the topic of heroes to the point where you teach classes on it and have written books about it? Well, at the University of Richmond where I teach, we once taught this great books course, and it was multicultural, multidisciplinary, and we read epic novels from around the world. We read, of course, the Iliad and the Odysseys, Western epics, mm. but we also read African epic stories, and we read Asian, Japanese, Chinese epic stories, and I'm teaching these stories to my students, and I it dawned on me, every time we read an epic story, this is the same goddamn story. It's just mm -hmm. the, the characters' names have changed, but every one of these stories involves... To protect the innocent. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like it's well, every story is the same one. Some great person goes out on a journey, is called on a journey, sometimes often against their will, and they encounter all of these obstacles, and they have, get help from mentors, and then at the very end, they're transformed, and they use their personal transformation to create something great for society. And I realized there's something deeply psychologically important about heroes that we need them and we write stories about them and we're drawn to seeing movies and reading books about them mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's it's very rare to find a movie where there's not at least some form of hero in it even if it's an anti-hero exactly. or uh just the romantic lead but you need to focus on that point of that character's arc and journey but what's fascinating to me is this was 10 years ago I thought, well, there's something psychologically important about heroes. Surely there's a lot of research in mm -hmm. psychology on it. Nothing. There was nothing. And so I'm kind of with a, there's probably a community now of about 20 people around the world who are now studying the psychology of heroism. Just in the past decade, we've started. So there's, we've just scratched the surface. We're still trying to figure out who heroes are, why we need them, how they become heroes, and what, what the psychology is behind it all. So, well, I think you just, laid out the next three questions I'm going to ask. Oh, so let's cool. start with who are heroes? Who are they? Mm -hmm. Well, they're, they're people. Who are these masked men? <laughs> well, they can be people of fiction like mm -hmm. Luke Skywalker, Katniss Everdeen, or they can be non-fictional heroes like Gandhi, Mandela. Um, so they're, they're, or they can be your parents. They can be your friends. They mm -hmm. can be your, your cousin who overcame an incredible adversity. So heroes are sort of pervasive across all walks of life, real life, fiction, and they're anyone, the hero is anyone you want them to be. So heroism is ultimately subjective. So it's in the eye of the beholder. And what's fascinating, one of the fascinating things I've found about heroism is, is that you and I can agree on the definition of a hero. A hero does great things and takes risks and makes sacrifices. But then we'll disagree vehemently about who specifically a hero is. Even though we'll agree on the definition, it's in the eye of the beholder. And that's why you've got people like Donald Trump who can be deified by some people and vilified by others. And the list goes on and on of people who who are polarizing and some people see them as heroes and villains. So I think that goes back to what you were saying at the beginning with that idea of like serendipity, where even even someone who to the public is doing a monstrous thing could have saved us from some sort of disaster and then vice yeah. versa someone who is doing the most amazing thing like that's what people complain about with the superman movie that came out where they're like he's saving people but he destroyed multiple cities and it's oh, like yes. space battle so like is he a hero and we know what we know from the research there's a fine line between heroism and villainy we used to think well the hero and the villain are polar opposites when really when you look at the traits of a hero there's like 60 to 70% overlap with the traits of a villain. 
mm-hmm. like things like strength, wisdom. I'm not wisdom. Strength, smarts, mm-hmm. uh, resilience, in, uh, charisma, inspirational qualities, courage. All, villains and heroes both share those qualities. So then you, it makes you wonder, well, what separates the hero from the villain yeah. then? I'm wondering that right now. Do you have an answer? <laughs> well, ultimately, uh, for me, and again, it's, it's in the eye of the beholder, what to... For me, what separates heroes from villains may be different from what you or our listeners believe separates heroes and villains. And for me, it comes down to unification. Heroes heroes ultimately want to unite people, and villains divide people. Mm. So if you're wondering, gosh, this person is inspiring, and this is where charisma is dangerous, Mm -hmm. because people can be drawn into charisma. But listen to the message. You've got to get out of your emotion and get into your head what is what is the message here? And if it's a unifying message that brings people together, that's heroic. If if the if the speaker is scapegoating, dividing, uh, separating people, that's villainous. So what percentage is the focus on us, and what percentage is the focus on them? There you go. Yeah, you got it. Which again, that I can see how that gets so blurry because, to one extent, a bunch of you know rah rah nationalism is a very uniting thing but then easily slips over into xenophobia and exactly and hatred exactly and that's why one of my favorite authors is Yuval Noah Harari I don't know if you've heard of mm-hmm. him but Harari talks about sapiens and homo deus exactly mm-hmm. and and 21 lessons for the 21st century is his latest book and what he talks about is nationalism being good as long as it doesn't involve thinking that your group is superior to other groups that's that's when nationalism turns bad yeah so, but then isn't that, I mean, so I'm trying to think about it like, like, like sports because sports is one of those things where the idea is that you have this tribe of allegiance that like your team is better than everybody else. But then also I think you have to acknowledge that you can't destroy all the other teams because then you would have no one to compete well, with exactly. and it ruins the game. That's exactly right. And in fact, the word tribe is an important word because we are, we evolved, human beings evolved with tribal identities that we needed to survive. And the future of humanity, I think, relies on our ability to overcome the negative parts of tribalism. There are positive aspects mm-hmm. that you just mentioned, but um, the, ultimately the negative aspects of tribalism could kill us, especially with our weaponry that we have now. It's a very, very daunting problem. It is. We have and we haven't solved it. 21st century technologies and... Uh, Stone Age minds. Stone Age, <laughs> yeah, Stone Age politics. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, Stone Age politics. Yeah. So why do we need heroes? Like, what is it that the hero story does for us as individuals and as a culture and civilization? Well, this is where I, I talk to my students mm-hmm. and I tell them these hero stories that you're drawn to. You think you go to the movies to be entertained. You're not going to the movies to be entertained. That's what your brain is tricking you into thinking. We're really going to the movies and we're drawn to Harry Potter and Luke Skywalker because these movies are calling us to go on the same journey as the hero is because ultimately the hero's journey is the human journey. And so we're all heroes in the making. And the reason we read bedtime stories to children is not to put them to sleep, although that's what I thought when I was reading stories to my daughter, Heather. Yeah. I'm going to get to sleep. When really, when I'm teaching her Grimm's fairy tales and I'm reading her Dr. Seuss or any kind of childhood fairy tale to her, I'm teaching her about life. I'm telling her, listen, here's wisdom. The wisdom of the ages is in these stories. Listen to how the hero is caught in a spell or trapped by the bad guy or has some horrible thing happen. And listen to how... The story, the the hero of the story, develops the resourcefulness, the resilience, the courage, 
the wherewithal to overcome the adversity, to grow, to be transformed into something bigger and better, and then uh, becomes the hero of his or her own story. And that's your story. You, the listener, you, the movie watcher, you in the theaters, pay attention. This is your story. You're not here just to have fun. You're here to learn how to conquer the demons, the demon inside you and also the, the forces around you that are conspiring seemingly against you. Well, I know that we're both big Joe Campbell fans. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I always appreciated that he talks about the the journey and the return. So you leave the place of comfort, you leave the normal world of mundane consciousness, and then you enter the fantastic world of the unknown, which is full of challenges, and then you come back, and that return is really important because you can't just get lost in the fantasy land, you have to come back and bring like Prometheus stealing fire from the gods. You have to bring whatever the lesson or the triumph is back where you've slain the evil king or cured the poison that was affecting the land or whatever it might be. You've come back and you've completed that arc. Exactly, exactly. And so one of the most classic tales that I always use in an example, it's probably overused, is The Wizard of Oz. And I love it because mm. it's got The Wizard in it, but it also it's this beautiful story of being transformed into this magical dangerous unfamiliar world that Dorothy finds herself in and she encounters all these strange creatures but she gets help from the scarecrow the tin man and the lion and develops the qualities of courage heart and brains and then ultimately uh, is guided by Glinda the mentor the good witch and has the challenge of having bring back the broomstick of the mm -hmm. wicked witch and and then she discovers that going home is the the goal and ultimately in almost every hero story going home is yeah. the goal but the home, Odyssey, yeah but home is not the home you think it is right and then when but the my one criticism of the wizard of Oz is when she comes back and you talk about the importance of the return and the return should be not just and you know when dorothy returns and she wakes up and her family and, and you were there and you were there <laughs> yeah 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 and so she's also she can tell she's changed she's wiser she's enlightened she's awake mm -hmm. but the movie ends before we see her give the gift back. I almost wish there was one more scene where we, it can be a short scene, where we see her bestowing a boon to society, what Joe Campbell calls the boon, the gift mm -hmm. back, where once personally transformed, the hero then transforms society and becomes some a change agent for her world that she's returned to. So, But the movie's almost perfect other than that. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing that's so interesting is I've thought about The Wizard of Oz a lot as, you know, I think about wizards a lot. And the wizard himself is such a great example of the um, the shaman where he's got he's got a big magic show and he gets everyone to think that he has this power. But at the end of the day, he's just the man behind the curtain. He's just a normal person. But then he's able to use that flip to make everyone be aware that they have the magic within them, that, you know, you have been convinced that you were a coward, but look at all these brave things you did. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, a therapist will do is someone comes in and they're going to go, well, nobody likes me. And they're like, well, let's talk through that. And we come up with a huge list of people that absolutely like you. So maybe your perception was off and the thing that you were looking, you were sitting on the whole time. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I think you nailed it. Your analysis is right on target. And it makes me wonder about the the future of the wizard. I bet after this encounter with Dorothy and his her revelation of him as just an ordinary man behind the curtain, I bet he does away with all the smoke and mirrors and he becomes a normal person and he doesn't have to pretend anymore to be something he's not. I think so. And that's, to me, being real, being yeah. authentic is what it's all about. And it's not about magic per se. It's about finding your inner magic, 
which doesn't have to be anything supernatural. It can be simply the human spirit mm-hmm. fulfilling its fullest potential, which is what the hero's journey is all about. And I think, you know, the, the idea that we talked about earlier about coming home as a New Yorker, everyone says this common thing of like the secret to living in New York is leaving New York. Like when you live here and you're just here for an uninterrupted period of time, it can kind of get overwhelming and drag you down. And then you go out, whether that's to the suburbs or to the woods or to another country, and then you come home and you're like, ah, I can see the city with fresh eyes. I can appreciate why I moved here. I'm lucky to be a part of this. And you get that refresher, which is, I think, another part of the adventure in the hero's journey. Oh, absolutely. I think getting into nature, and you can lose that in the city, in the urban jungle. If you get it, I think one of the things we suffer from in our society is nature deficit Mm -hmm. disorder, Yeah, which is why Central Park is beautiful. In fact, I'm going to Central Park this afternoon. It's going to be a lovely day. Yeah, And I think that little oasis is a much needed reprieve. We have to get back into nature because that's where we we find ourselves. Yeah. I just led people on an epic quest through Central Park. We had a, a band of 50 that wandered through the forest and even people that had lived in New York for quite a long time were like, I had not seen a bunch of this part of the park because it's so big, it's so sprawling. You can look and you can see the skyscrapers and you know you're in New York, but then you can also be lost in the woods. Well, it can be transformative. And in Mm -hmm. fact, we all need to be lost in the woods. I think Joseph Campbell talks about all of us on our human journeys need to enter the forest Mm -hmm. at the darkest point and we have to carve out our own path. We don't Forest adventurous. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. And, And so Central Park is sort of a microcosm of nature. And I think we all we all need to do that because before the printing press was invented, if you wanted to know the world, you had to go out into nature. You didn't read books to know the world. You found it in nature. And we've lost that. That's why I think one reason modern humans struggle so much with anxiety and depression is because they've lost sight of nature. They've gotten too far, too much into their heads with book learning and not enough out into the world of nature where you really can discover who you are and your place in the universe. Do you, so we're inundated with narrative right now, like probably like no other time, you know, binge watching has become a normalized thing. It's totally acceptable to say, how was your weekend? And you're like, I watched 20 hours of television. Whereas I think like a couple decades ago, someone was like, how was your weekend? You're like, I watched seven movies. They'd be like, that's that's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. And so we're constantly wrapped up in these lives of fictional characters and TV, TV shows and giant movie franchises. Do you think there's an element of this dissociation that is harmful, that we're comparing ourselves to fictional heroes and our lives can't measure up to that? Well, I think it. I hadn't thought about that, but I think you're right. There's a danger in being too much the spectator of other people's lives rather than the participant in your own life. So no one can find happiness spending every waking moment of free time binge watching Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead and um, whatever movies and shows are out there. We can't just learn about life by watching other people live life we have to get out there and do things and take risks and experience things and i worry that we're not that we're too glued to our devices so i think in fact we know people who are glued to their devices who are always watching texting on their pads and, and 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 phones they're they're not as happy as people who come unplugged and experience life so i think there is a danger the the over narrative addiction and I, I think I'm guilty of it, too. I've been binge watching. I'm catching up on Star Trek Discovery because I'm a Star yeah. Trek geek. And I hadn't started watching Discovery yet. And I'm catching up on the two seasons I've lost. And I'm loving it. Yeah. But I also realize I should go out and take a walk. 
<laughs> well, I think there's a big disconnect when you're in that where in one sense you're with the characters and you're having all these crazy adventures and yeah. they're doing months worth of stuff. And then in reality, you're like, oh, I've been inside all afternoon. All I've really done is get a glass of water twice and go grab a bag of chips. That's right. I'm not getting exercise. I'm not getting fresh air. I'm not meeting new people, experiencing nature. But you've watched these characters have all of the high drama that like if it was in your actual real life over the course of a year, you'd be like, that was a very eventful year. <laughs> you know, this is, this was a little intense. This but was stressful. So there's some vicarious learning. So yeah. maybe you learn a little bit of resilience and a little bit of courage from watching your heroes overcome adversity. But the truth is, and then one of my favorite quotes is by this French philosopher, George Bataille. Have you heard mm-hmm. of him? Where he said, mere words are but quicksand. Only experience is the rope that is thrown to us. And I'm thinking, oh, that's so awesome. It's true. You can't become courageous or resilient by reading books. You've got to get out there and experience life and suffer and and trip and fall and pick yourself up and wipe the dust off yourself and learn. The only experience is the rope that is thrown to us. That's how we grow and become transformed as people. And I think it's the only honest part because, you know, no hero story is told in real time. Like they might tell you about the adversity, but they're skipping through where even if you're having your own hero's journey, you're still, you know, going to the bathroom and wiping your nose. And Oh, it's true. Uh, waiting so, for your eggs to get done cooking and all of these moments that just make up the texture of life. Well, you're absolutely right. And so you can read a biography about all these famous heroes, Malcolm mm-hmm. X, Martin Luther King, Mandela, whoever, yeah. and think, wow, they had it. They kind of knew their course in life. They yeah. kind of had a plan and they they said, I'm going to go out and change the world. And they did it. And they never had any doubts and they never suffered and they never. But that's baloney because we yeah. know that like you said, it's in real time over the weeks, months, years, there's so much doubt and there's suffering and there's um, heartache and there's tragedy and there's the overcoming of it, yeah. which is not easy. And no one ever said that life was easy or the hero's journey was easy, but, but that's how you grow is through adversity. That's why s- serendipa alchemy mm-hmm. is a good word because it talks about all right, you're going to suffer. There's going to be pain. But pain is actually good. I have a friend who every time he feels pain and he's going through a hard time, he calls me up and says, Scott, I am so grateful for yeah. this pain. And I, 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 I'm I, just so impressed that he's wise enough to know that the hard time he's going through is just but a... a, a, a he trusts the process. He trusts mm. that the pain is going to become... Is, is the cauldron, the... the uh, the um, crucible, the crucible. Thank yeah. you. Where you transform the the straw, the straw into gold. You spin the straw. Trust into gold. the process. I like that a lot. And he trusts it, even though he's hurting. He says, "You know what? In a month, week, whatever year, mm-hmm. I'm going to look back and say this is what I needed to go through to become a better person." And he's always right. Yeah. And he's patient enough to and has the bigger perspective of trusting the process. Well, they have a, a term now for post-traumatic growth, where when people go through these things that everyone would say, I would not opt into that. That would be a horrible experience. <laughs> but then they come out the other side and they're able to suddenly grab the reins of their life and start getting things done. And then, you know, six months later, they're like, oh, my book's coming out now. And it yes. wouldn't have happened if I hadn't gone through that horrible oh breakup or if I hadn't been fired or... if you know, uh, that I hadn't lost my apartment in a fire or whatever thing it, it might have been. Everyone 
every small child should learn about post-traumatic growth as essential for human living and for the hero's journey because yeah. it, is, it is true that people and most people fortunately through trauma do grow there's ptsd yeah. i don't want to discount ptsd but post-traumatic growth is actually more the norm mm-hmm. where people take the the trauma the hurt the pain the suffering and they become a better person afterward than they would have been had the trauma never happened in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing to understand is that, wow, I'm actually better than I would have been had this shit had not happened to me. Yeah. So, and you've been through it. I know your personal story yeah. of overcoming disease mm-hmm. and suffering. And you were worried about surviving, weren't you? Um, My life was never in danger, but um, my mobility was for a long time. Yeah, my rare knee condition definitely was a thing that was not fun throughout my 20s and then was so interesting to watch it transform into something that literally changed my life and put me on the medication that turned my hair white that made me successful as a wizard. So this is what the heroes, this is what heroes do. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to put you up on a pedestal, but I will anyway. <laughs> is that you, and you did what a lot of people do, not just heroes, but good everyday courageous people you take the wound all of us have wounds and you turn the wo- the, the wound becomes the secret to unlocking the treasure mm-hmm. and we know that from joseph campbell we know that from carl jung we know that from classic storytelling heck it's the basis of christianity yeah. where the wounds of christ and the suffering on the cross of christ becomes the ticket to his resurrection and becoming transformed and it's a key element to helping others i used to be really hard on myself or if i went through a bad time i was like well Devin, aren't you supposed to be a wizard Isn't your whole deal supposed to be that you can get out of these scraps? And if you're not right now, then aren't you failing your whole reason for being? And I realized that that was a very negative um, cycle of thinking to get stuck in because really collecting those wounds and going through those hard times is what generates empathy and makes you able to help somebody else. Wow. And that's why the best therapists and and drug rehab counselors, Mm -hmm. they've all been through the fire. They've been there. They've been there. They've done that and they know and they're giving back. So this is the hero's journey. Having been transformed and overcome adversity, the hero then becomes the mentor for other people who are on earlier stages of their hero's journeys. Which is one of the ways that I think about the wizard is that if you have a more traditional society and you're all in the same mythology and all people are you know, not as diverse as we are now. Like in our society, we really promote novelty. So you're supposed to go do something, be different, just do it. But in other societies, it's like, well, we figured out a way to survive. So we need everyone to stick to the rule book as close as possible. So the next generation of kids is going to be more or less like their parents, which means that the grandparents are just the generation that have already been through it all. So when everybody else is like, oh my God, what are we going to do about this drought? They're like, I remember a drought. I know what to do. There you go. I've been through this before. There you go. And that's why we do need elders. Yeah. And one of the sad facts about our current society is we're lacking elders. We have a lot of old people, mm-hmm. but just because you're chronologically old doesn't mean you have the wisdom of an elder. And we desperately need wise elders in our lives. It's hard for the elders too because their lived experience doesn't relate as much to the current one. Not that it's unvaluable, but if we've always been growing these three crops, we've always been doing these ceremonies and doing this hunt, then right. it's the same for the, the the young kid as it is for the old right. person. They can explain it. But for an old person now to be like, ah, you're struggling with social media addiction. <laughs> well, let me tell you about what it was like in my time. And it's it's different. You know, it's it's the world is changing so fast that even somebody who's 30 might not be able to mentor somebody who's 15 in the same way. Wow. 
So are you suggesting then possibly that mentors have to evolve a little bit and stay current and not consider, not be so uh, dogmatic or narrow-minded to think that what you did in the 1950s and 60s applies to the 2020s necessarily? Exactly. I think I think we both need to, you know, reach across that gap. We need to Absolutely. respect the diversity of somebody else's experience who's lived yes. through more than we have. Yes. But they also need to understand that, you know, like I think this is one of the things between the, the boomer and the millennial generation is like, Oh, why aren't you saving? Why aren't you buying a house? And it's like because of the civilization around us that no longer supports that. Well, exactly. Everything's yeah. changed. Student loan debt, for example. Yeah, among like others. we're playing a different game than you were playing. Much so different don't, game. Don't judge us by the same scoring system. Exactly. You're exactly right. There, so that, you're talking about empathy and being able to to put yourself in someone else's shoes and not make generalizations about an entire group of people or what they're going through because times change, things have evolved, and the world is very different. And if you've read Yuval Noah Harari, you know... Mm-hmm. Wow, we are we are in for some huge seismic shifts in our society with regard to technological disruptions in the next 20, 10, 20, 30 years. We're going to need some heroes. Oh my gosh, big time, big time. So who are some of your favorite heroes that you um, like to talk about in your, in your class? Well, one the- of my favorite heroes is Roberto Clemente, who you may have never heard of. He's a baseball player who was a, was a Pittsburgh Pirate outfielder in the 1950s and 60s and early 70s. And he was a, a great player. So as a little kid who didn't know any better, I thought, well, he's a hero because he can hit the ball well. He was an athletic genius. Mm-hmm. But what threw him over the cross to, the legendary status was he died saving people. So at the age of 38, toward the end of his career, he was still playing, still playing well. He was a humanitarian, a philanthropist, and he found out there was an earthquake in Nicaragua and he wanted to help and he raised accumulated relief supplies on an airplane and he went on the plane itself to make sure the plane the supplies were delivered because people were sometimes not delivering the supplies where they needed to go and he went on the plane and it crashed the plane was overloaded and he crashed into the ocean so here's a man who was a multimillionaire and a famous person who didn't need to be putting supplies together for earthquake victims and he died saving people helping people and to me that's the ultimate hero, the hero who sacrifices everything for others. And it's very heart heartwarming. And I tear up thinking about what he did and what he didn't have to do. And it turns out after he died, we found out that as a baseball player, every time he was playing in another city, he would go downtown and give money away to the homeless and the poor. He'd walk around downtown yeah. and console people, comfort people and give them money. He was just an amazing humanitarian. And so I'm, I'm just in awe of Roberto Clemente. Yeah. Yeah. So on this podcast, we like to help people as well by giving them a, a little spell, a little bit of magic that they can do to take all of the ideas that we've talked about, the words, the quicksand that we've been spewing into these microphones and turn them into that rope of experience. So I'd love to shift into the, to that conversation to figure out what is a way that people can do a little spell, some small action to bring that heroism into their own life. I love it. Fantastic. What can I do to help with the spell? Brainstorm with me. Okay. So what could like what could somebody do to be a okay. little bit heroic? All right. So we know heroes take risks. Mm-hmm. But heroes are not fools. They don't take foolish risks. Right. So I think the growth, the growth for all of us happens outside of our comfort zone. Mm. Which means we have to be willing 
when we're when we're called on the human journey, we're called to do things that are going to make us uncomfortable. And yet we're not called to self-destruct and do something foolhardy. So I think a lot of it is listening to the universe, listening, what am I called to do? What and what is what am I doing that's not going to hurt me, but is going to help me? And it might hurt while it's helping me, but it's not going to kill me. It's going to make me stronger. So this, mm. we're looking for this balanced picture of risk-taking with prudent wisdom. Mm. And I think listening to what we're called to do and, 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 and being willing to be uncomfortable and do, be on the adventure. So we're not sitting at home every weekend watching Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, we're out there living our lives, getting away from our devices, our screen time. And being willing to be with people and be with people who are going to help us become our best person. I love that. I think even, you know, it doesn't have to be like an epic quest where you go out and do something crazy. But even if a friend invited you to something that you catch yourself being like, nah, I'm not into that kind of thing. And you're like, wait, what's the risk? I'm going to go see a play and maybe I'm not going to like it. and I'll be bored for two hours, but I can say yes to this. I can get outside of my comfort zone. I can have a new experience and maybe I'll come back a little bit wiser. Well, that's why I'm, I'm reminded of your quest through Central Park. You said you brought 50 people. Mm hmm. I think that's that's you probably got people a little uncomfortable at first yeah. who were a little unwilling and wondering what's this all about and should I be doing this and wouldn't I be better off watching binge watching at home you got people out doing something different mm -hmm. and so what you're doing you're you're providing a great service to people and they may not know it uh, you're making a difference I think that's an example of doing something different well, thank you, Scott. Yeah. I think you're making a great service too, mentoring this next generation and instilling some knowledge about heroism in them. I hope so. I'm telling. I'm trying to tell my students to get out there yeah. and go into the forest where it's the darkest point and be willing to be uncomfortable. And remember, pain is often necessary and is the secret to unlocking the the treasure. Yeah. And I th I think that's a whole different way, different mindset, because I think we're taught that pain is bad, avoid it at all costs, when that may be not the wrong advice we're giving to people. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Scott. You're welcome. Thanks, Devin. For more of Scott's work, check out his latest book, The Romance of Heroism, or read his blog at realheroes.net. That's real, R-E-E-L. And to become a hero yourself and join this podcast as a ritual's epic quest to create a slightly better future, visit patreon.com slash this podcast is a ritual where you'll find a bonus conversation with Scott Allison, where we dive deep into the hidden meaning of Marvel's cinematic hero mythology. And now brave hero till our paths cross again, go forth into the darkest part of the forest, get uncomfortable, find your courage and emerge victorious on the other side, older, wiser, and it was something worth sharing with society. I believe in you. Your magic is heroic. We don't need another hero.